We have an exciting topic today. Yeah. We're talking about how much money do you need for your first or your next deal? How do you know it's the right time to get started with real estate investing? How do you know that you're financially set up and which strategy is right for you? That's what we're talking about today. Hey there. We're here to put you on the path to a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. I'm Pollock. And this is Needy. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you here. All right, you guys. So today we're talking about how to know whether you have enough money for your first or your next deal. How to know whether you're financially set up to get started with real estate investing. So we're going to start talking about this in a range you know, depending on where you are financially, we're going to talk about, hey, if you're in this situation, this is the right step for you. We've been in multiple different situations, so we can speak from experience here. That's right. And, you know, we've broken it down into three sort of key stages that you could be in, in your life, right? And we're going to talk through, as Palak said, what you need to be doing, depending on which situation you're in. So there's three buckets that we are, that we're going to cover today of where people are from a money perspective, right? Number one is you are just starting out and you have, you know, you're, you're basically trying to, it's hard for you to make ends meet. And we've all been there at some point, right? When we're yeah. first starting out and you have a lot of credit card debt and you like find it very difficult to even invest because you have a lot of credit card debt, you have your credit is poor. And so you're trying to figure out how do I even get out of this, right? So that's sort of one bucket. The second bucket is if you are, if you have limited cash, Right. You're like, okay, I have a good, stable W2 job. I can or a business or a business and, you know, and I can pay all my expenses and I can take a vacation every now and then I'm stable financially, but it's hard for me to figure out how to invest and grow my wealth. Right. Which is what a lot of us are in uh, right now. And then the third bucket, and if you're in this bucket, that's good for you, is, you know, if you have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in your bank account and figuring out what the best investment strategy is. So we're going to spend the least amount of time in that bucket because, you know, that's it's a good problem to have. So we're going to cover a couple of things that might be good for you to do. But you're going to spend most of our time on the first two buckets, which is you're struggling financially, trying to make ends meet and figuring out how do I invest, right? And then the second bucket is how do I, I have a stable job or I have a stable business and I have some money to invest, but I don't know what the best way to get started is. How do I invest? How do I grow my wealth? What are the things that I need to do today? So the three buckets then are limited, not limited, no capital. And instead you have credit card debt, limited capital, and a lot of capital and, you know, your, your goals and your strategies will be different in these cases. Right? That's right. All right. All right. So let's get started. So the first one. First one is, you know, you're finding it hard to make ends meet. So you have a lot of credit card debt. Uh, you're working hard in your job or in your business, but you're like, I don't have any money to invest like zero. In fact, after I pay my mortgage and expenses, I can't even pay my credit cards. If you're in that situation, it can be very difficult, right? And we've all been there at, at some point. And so the best thing to do in that situation is to try and increase your income, mm-hmm. right? How do you find maybe a side hustle that you can try and earn a few extra dollars? Mm-hmm. There's so many things you can do in this new economy. There's Uber, there is 
if you have a house, if you're an apartment, yeah. you can Airbnb it. There's so many different ways that you can find money to just get started. I think the big thing is to know that when you have a lot of, and let's talk specifically about the types of debt here, because we've never been in a situation where we have a lot of credit card debt, but we have been in a situation where we have student loan debt, yes. right? And that's a little bit different than credit card debt. When you have student loan debt, that's okay as long as your income is covering that and then you have a surplus, then you fall within the middle or the last bucket, right? Where, where you have a little bit of capital or you have a ton of capital and you're figuring out where you're investing. So we've been in the situation where we had student loan debt and a lot of us have student loan debt these days, right? But if it's working out with your income, you can pay that and still have a surplus. You don't fall in this bucket. If you have a lot of credit card debt, I would highly recommend that is priority number one. You need to figure out how you're going to pay off that credit card debt. And I'm going to explain to you why. So any real estate investing strategy, you can scale it really fast if you figure out how to leverage your money, how to use either other people's money, how to leverage commercial finance, conventional finance, all of those things. Now, when you go to any lender, whether it's a private lender, hard money lender, commercial lender, conventional lender, doesn't matter. When you go to any lender, the first thing they're going to want to know is if they're investing their money with you, they want to know that they're going to get paid back, right? Everyone wants to know that. And so when you have a lot of credit card debt, it makes it very difficult for lenders to put their faith in you. And so what I would recommend is if you have credit card debt, get rid of that first. And when Niti and I were talking about it earlier, you actually mentioned something really cool about the numbers too. Like if yeah. you look at the numbers. And it's just a direct ROI if you pay off your credit card debt, right? So your credit card interest that you're paying right now is probably around 18 to 20%, right? And any investment that you make, you're going to have to earn more than that 18, 20% for it to be profitable, to, for it to be a better investment. So if you just pay off your credit card, you just made 20% right there by not having to pay interest. And that's guaranteed money because you're saving that money that you could be investing. Let me say it one more time in a different way for anyone who didn't get that, because I didn't get that the first time I heard that. And I had to like be like, what does that mean? So in, in case you didn't understand that, basically what we're saying is, say you owe $10,000 credit card debt. It's costing you and accumulating 20%, I'm just rounding numbers off here, 20% interest every month, right? So every month, 20% of the 10,000 is racked up on top of the 10,000 that you already own. Next month, it's gonna be another 20%. Next month, it's gonna be another 20%. And of course it's 20% divided by 12 because it's per month. But every month you are paying that 20%. Now, if you pay that 10,000 off, now you just made that 20% that you weren't going to make that otherwise. That's so right. that's the deal here. Instead of going to find an investment vehicle that would, you know, then you have to figure out, hey, what is the ROI on this? Instead of find, trying to find that, do that first. Figure out how to pay that first. And, you know, what that'll also do to your point is if you're in that trap right now of constantly having credit card debt, 
likelihood is that your credit score is really poor, right? And so before you start investing, you need to try and improve that credit score. You know, I wish credit scores weren't important, but in this world that we live in, especially if you want to build wealth, if you want to borrow money and borrowing money responsibly is the fastest way to grow wealth. And so as Palak said, you want to show lenders that you're responsible with money. And so if your credit score is low, that should be priority number one to increase this credit score, pay off your credit cards, make sure there's nothing bad that's on your credit and keep it that way. And then once you come out of that, and, and for some people, it could just be, okay, in my existing income, where could I save a little bit more or where, where could I spend a little bit less? Mm-hmm. So do an income expense analysis for your household. If you're not doing an income expense analysis for your household and if you're in credit card debt, that's the number one step. Like the, figure and, out where your expenses are. And that's how are. we fall into debt, right? Because we're spending more than what we're making. That's when we start needing that credit card debt. So if you're doing this analysis, income and expenses, it, it's going to become super clear yeah. that, hey, there's a deficit here. And so how can I make up that deficit and start a side hustle, earn extra money to be able to pay off the credit card debt and specifically credit card debt. So if you're someone who has that credit card debt, focus on that first. That's right. So just to recap, if you're in that position where you barely you know, make enough money to cover your expenses, and if you have recurring credit card debt that you're finding it hard to pay off, don't focus on investing. First, either get, here's the three things you, you need to do. Uh, try to find a way to increase your income, whether that's mm-hmm. earning a new skill or maybe getting um, a, a second hustle or a side job. That's number one. Number two is doing a detailed income expenses overview and tracking your expenses every month to see where you can cut down. Because I can guarantee you any every money saved is going to be 100% profit right? because you just saved that money. So that's number two. And number three is find a way to pay off that credit and build good credit. I think if you do those three things, that takes you to the next level, which is what we're going to talk about now. And I think that when you find someone telling you that it doesn't matter if you have credit card debt, just start investing in real estate. I would say, be wary of that advice. That is, and it's easy for investors like us who've got a portfolio and, you know, we're at this point to just be like, what, what are you talking about? Everybody should be investing. No, if you have credit card debt, that is something you want to tackle first. Yes. Uh, so that's number one. So let's talk about bucket number two and see if this fits who you are, right? So um, there's a lot of people, and this is a lot of people that we talk to, right? You have a job or a business and you're making decent money. You can pay off your expenses and you can save a little bit of money at the end of the day. And you have some savings. You don't have like tons of savings. Maybe you have ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, $20,000 yeah. saved up. And maybe you have a 401k, you know, or some other retirement accounts mm-hmm. that, that you're using to build up a nest egg. And we're talking household income. So if you're stay-at-home mom and you're listening to this, we're talking about household income, right? right? So as a household, if your spouse is making the money, and as a household, you're doing okay. Right. And you have a little bit of a nest egg that's this applies to you now. That's right. And this is where we were when we first started yes. investing, right? And this could, by the way, like a lot of people think that if they make, you know, $200,000 or $300,000 in their W-2 job or in their business, they think that, um, you know, they're set. And that's yeah. not the case, it's right? Not the like, case. because majority of the times, 
what people do is that they build their lifestyle up as their income goes up. Mm-hmm. And so really, at the end of the day, if you look at their savings, they're not that much higher yeah. because they make that much more. And high earners fall in a high tax bracket. So you may be making half a million dollars a year, but then when you actually depending see on where you live, you could dep- be ma- paying 40, 45% taxes. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then of course, like you were saying, like your lifestyle creeps up to, and you know, we, even if you're responsible with money, these are all very natural progressions that we see in people's lives. Yeah. It's because people you're around, you know, people you went college with, you all progress the same way. And it's very difficult to then say, Hey, well, such and such person is living in a house that looks like this. How come I'm still doing this? I must be doing something wrong. Um, or even, you know, like, and I think what, what happens a lot and which would happen to us is that, oh, I worked so hard yes. to earn all this money and I want to be able to live well and I want to be able to spend money. And that is fine yes. in theory. But what happens is that if you don't draw a line somewhere, if you're not tracking how much you're saving and spending, then your savings tend to dwindle and you'll have very little money then to invest. And that happened to us for the yeah. first 10 years of our working lives where we were both yeah. making you know good money in corporate and we thought we were doing really well. But when we looked either at our bank account or our assets, we didn't have too much to show for it. Yes. And I think that's the trap that a lot of people fall into. When you cannot make ends meet, the stress is how to be frugal, how to make ends meet. Like, what do I do with the credit card debt? What am I going to do this month? How am I going to pay my bills? That's the stress. But even lives of people who make, you know, 100, 200, 300K, it may seem like they are better, but they are also very stressful because these jobs come with a lot yes. of stress. And if you think about it, anything under half a million a year, I would say we're still kind of pawns in this world, yeah. right? Like when you make a salary like that, it may, you know, Uncle Sam takes their big cut, then your stress stress, and all the conveniences associated with will take the big cut and it's all, you're still running into challenges and that, that stress leads you to think like, I deserve that's right. To spend all this money now that I've made. I've worked so hard. I was so stressed out for all these years. I, you know, worked nights for all these years. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to spend all this money. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and an, another example of that that we were talking about the other day is when Pollock had her nine to five, you, you know, you climbed the corporate ladder, you're earning yeah. six figures. And when we had our second kid and you're doing an analysis of how much money you're actually left with after we pay the taxes, after your commute, you had a long commute at that point, like Mm -hmm. um, after you spend it on commute after, and we had to get extra care for both our kids because they're Mm -hmm. very young and how much we spent on the care and how much we spent on, um, you know, having somebody maybe come in, clean a house once a month or uh, dry cleaning because you had to dress a certain way, right? Like, you know, There are all these little so things. After you took all up. that, yeah. like after you accounted for all those expenses, you figured out that you were working for what, 1500 a month? Yeah. So I did this analysis when, you know, we had a toddler and a newborn. And after paying for childcare and everything, I was like, you know what? Say I quit my job. We won't need childcare. We won't need dry cleaning. I won't be eating lunches out. I won't be paying. I was paying like $20 in toll every day. I was driving a hundred miles every day back and forth uh, from work. Okay. Say I take all this out at the end and tax, you know, this is like after taxes. And then when you look at the number, you're like, okay, I'm 
working so much and I'm leaving my kids and I'm working so hard. These jobs are not easy. 60, 80 hour weeks for what? 1500 a month, yeah. right? That was the That's number right. I had come up with. And I told him, I said, I'm making 1500 a month. Yeah. Like what's, what's, what's the point of working so hard and not seeing the kids for that much money? Like it's not enough money to, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't changing our life. And, and so, so I think, so if you're in this situation, if you're in this sort of phase in life, here's the things that you want to be doing to try and get out of that, try and get to the next level. Right. And this was a huge, huge shift for us. This one thing alone sort of changed our trajectory was we used to, when we got our salaries and we got any sort of money in our bank account, whether it's through like, if we did our taxes and we got a little refund or we got a little bit of a raise, we used to first figure out how are we going to spend it? Like, oh, let's take this vacation. Let's buy, you know, let's buy all these things. And then whatever was left over, we said, oh, what do we do with this money? And at the end, we were left with like maybe two or $3,000 or $5,000. And we're like, wait, yeah, that's, that, that's not even enough money to invest. <laughs> so we flipped that. We said, okay, what if we, from all the money that we get, we invest money first. So every month, money that you're getting, put aside X percent of the percent of that money that's going to go towards your investment. And then whatever's left over is your expenses. And the moment we switched that, so every time you would get like a little bit of money from somewhere, like, Hey, uh, we got $5,000 from our tax returns, or um, I got a little bonus at the end of uh, work. And it was even no matter how small it is, we're like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's just put that aside. That's all going to be investment money. And so that's how we bought one or two properties when we first got started. And then we saw the power of the passive cash flow and the appreciation and all that. And like, wait, we need to be doing a lot more of buying assets. And then how do we get even more efficient with finding money to be able to buy these assets? What are the different sources that we can use? Maybe a 401k or maybe a HELOC. And then we tap into all these other resources. But the important mindset shift there was invest first and then spend. Yes, absolutely. Because the amount of things that we can buy is never ending. The lifestyle upgrades that we can aim for, that's never ending. And I always love to give the example of Warren Buffett. We all know his name. We all know he's very, very wealthy. He still lives in the same house that he lived in, I don't know, 30 years ago, something like that. He, he still lives in the same house. Yeah. The wealthy are not upping their lifestyle every time they accumulate wealth. They're thinking of money very differently. They're not thinking of money as a consumer, right? Like, what can I consume? What can I buy? They're thinking of money as an investor. Like, what can I invest this money in that's going to fund my lifestyle upgrade? And yeah. so that's a very different way of thinking about money than what all of us are taught, right? That's right. And, you know, another hack that if you already, if you're sort of, you know, young and you don't own a primary residence, that's huge. Like buy a primary residence, yes. put a three and a half percent down, get an FHA loan, buy a primary residence. And better yet, if you can house hack, which is buy a duplex yes. and live in one unit, rent out the other, and that pays for the mortgage. That is so, so powerful. Yeah. I wish somebody had told us all these things when we were like first getting started, because by the time we already had kids, we didn't want to like live in a duplex or we, we wanted to keep a certain lifestyle. But when you're younger, we could certainly bought it. We were looking for a multifamily for a while. Remember? Yeah. And then it didn't work out for us, but we know a few people. So Angie, 
I don't know if you're listening to this, Angie. Hi, Angie's on our team. And she started hearing us talk about all this so much that she said, well, I, I need to invest in real estate. And she wasn't an investor. And her first purchase was a house hack. She is implementing the bar strategy on a duplex and she's going to live in one unit. And so she said, well, instead of thinking about cash flow, she said, I'm, we're going to bring our expenses down by 2000 a month. Yeah. That's what we're doing by moving into this duplex. And that's, that's earned. That's 2000 is consider yeah. that money that you didn't have before. Right. Every month. I also know one of our friends who's a, a pretty great investor. Doug was telling us that he actually bought his house. He was single at the time he moved into his garage and, yeah. <laughs> and he was renting out every single room to, right. to make that additional money. So, you know, if you have a little bit of capital, get a property that you can live in and figure out how you can rent certain pieces of that. Property. You know, another idea is if you have a nice house and if you have a basement, yeah, try to see if you can rent out just the basement. And, you know, people are worried about like tenants and all that. There's so many great ways to do it. So say if you have a finished basement and if you have, if you can furnish it, if you can rent it out furnished, there's medium term rentals. You can rent mm -hmm. it out to traveling nurses who are great tenants, you know, and they're very easy tenants too, because they work hard all day. All they mm -hmm. need is a nice place to live and sleep and, you know, maybe have a little, have a kitchenette. So if you have something like that, you could always rent out a yeah. part of your house Another thing that we did when we were first starting out is after we had lived in a house for a few years, we upgraded to a different house and the previous house, we didn't sell it. We kept it for two or three years. We rented it out. And collected, turned it into a rental. Turned it into a rental, collected the cash flow. The house appreciated even more in those years. And you pay down the debt, you get tax benefits, you do so many by debt, I mean the mortgage. You're you're paying down the mortgage slowly over the few years. Yeah, so you can you can do that as well. Uh, we've also done primary residence bar That's multiple right. times. So we may not have done house hack, but we did the bar strategy on our primary residence, and that was beautiful. That was yeah. that was a strategy. I, I say beautiful because I love numbers <laughs> and I love money and I love real estate, and it was just orchestrated so beautifully. It. Uh, we we bought a house, we renovated it, and then we refinanced it. We pulled the funds out. But instead of pulling the funds out, we asked the bank to give us a HELOC. And we took that HELOC, we used it as a down payment to buy a 10-unit building. And then when we did the bar strategy on that building, and then when we refinanced it, we paid back the HELOC. And then we sold the house we lived in. So we also made that money. Yeah. So that was like so many different ways that we used that property to pay and create an income generating asset to do the bar strategy and then have additional down payment to move to the next house. So, so That's many right. different things you can do. If you have a little bit of cash, you can get really creative. And now we have this 10 unit cash flowing asset that is going to be in our family for generations, right? Yeah. And it's pretty amazing when you think about it, that you, you can do that. And that asset alone replicated a huge chunk of my income when I first quit my job. Absolutely. So, you know, your one asset, your primary residence can be so powerful when you get started with real estate investing, you can fund a lot of other things. That's right. So just to recap, I know we, we, we gave about you a lot of, lot of ideas. ideas. Um, so if you are uh, you know, in the stage where like you, you have a little bit of money to invest and you're trying to figure out how to grow your wealth, you, there's so many options that are open to you, mm -hmm. right? But first you need to make that switch of 
thinking of how do I invest this money first, right? Mm -hmm. How do I invest it? And then what I was left over then figure out how to spend that money. But if you just make that one switch and you only have to do it for a few years in your life, right? right? And if you do it, it'll just set you up so well, set your family up so well, set your retirement up really well. I was super pregnant, by the way, when we did the renovation on the primary residence blur and it was, and I had a toddler and that was, I'm going to tell you, that was really not a very fun way to be expecting a baby while your house is being renovated. But we were younger and we were able to do that. And that paid off, right? We, We both were able to, you know, inconveniencing ourselves for a short term at that time allowed us to have a 10 unit asset that allowed me to quit my job that allowed you to quit your job a few years later and scale this portfolio. So if it feels like, oh, this is going to be an inconvenience, think about short-term inconvenience versus long-term gain. And that's what we're aiming for here. Absolutely. And I think that's another key point is that the more inconvenienced you're willing to be, the more you can, more money you can make. And I'm not saying like go out and do like, you know, be re- like live in a 10 unit building or if when you have like two kids and like you know try to manage nine tenants like you don't have to do that you can take you Why can not? start that sounds good <laughs> but, hey as i said you can you will make a lot of money if you do it can, can but, you tell who likes to hustle out of the two of us <laughs> but there's you know but there is there's even if you move a little bit like yeah. move it move one step at a time right you don't have to go the other extreme day one yeah like figure out what you can do right now with the assets that you own with the money that you make like what is the one thing that you can do right now to yeah. earn a little bit of extra income and i think that the less capital you have the more you have to be okay with being inconvenienced and that's okay right like the, yeah. it's, if that's the worst i mean we're pretty privileged if we have to be inconvenienced where you live have to live in a house where one floor is being renovated uh, while you're pregnant that's minor compared to what the rest of the world is living with right i still consider that a pretty that was a privileged place to be that's right that's right so you know having that perspective shift and just knowing that the more capital you have then and the more assets you have the less inconvenienced you're going to be and so now we don't have to face those inconveniences again that's right right because we we rode that wave or whatever you want to call that yeah i want to say uh, one more thing here you don't have to do any of that if you have a little more capital than what we did right if you have nice income your family is doing okay you have a pretty decent chunk of capital to invest 25 50k something like that I would highly recommend considering the Burr strategy to scale your portfolio, yeah. right? And we we're gonna. I was gonna talk about that. So oh, I'm thank sorry. Thank you for stealing my stealing thunder. Stealing your thunder but, over um, here. No, Jump but, the gun you know, there. The, yeah. One of the things that I'm gonna say is like, what are the things that you can do to improve your skills? If you pick a specialized strategy in real estate, you can scale a lot faster. So if your goal is to to grow faster and retire faster, there's ways that you can do that. And I'm, we're gonna talk about that at the end a little bit. But let's talk about the third bucket, which is which we're going to keep this one short because there's not a lot of people out there who have this. But if you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in your bank account, and we get this question once in a while, it's like, hey, I have like I uh, sold this property and I got three hundred thousand dollars, or I sold my stock and I got five hundred thousand dollars. Or I have a business that is generating a bunch of profit every month. Yes, and I'm just putting that money back into the business. Right? There are some uh, we we know a few people who are like that they have a great business but they're taking that money that they're making every month in that business and they're putting it all back in the business meaning yes you do have to reinvest money in your business maybe up level your team maybe rebrand yourself maybe do more marketing there there are coaching 
absolutely, you know, if you're a business owner, you need a good mentor, a coach to help you grow further. All of that is amazing. Keep doing that. But when you have that much surplus coming every month, you should think about what you're going to do with you it. You need right? to invest that because again, it goes back to no matter how much money you're making, if you're not investing it, it's either getting devalued or it's getting spent somewhere. And you're not going to see that in an account because if it's in your account, you're probably going to spend it on something. So it's better to just invest it and put it away and stash it away in a long-term investment. If you have a busy, really busy business and um, you're like, I don't want to learn real estate, invest passively. Right? Yeah. There's ways to invest passively in invest real estate. Invest in syndications. And yeah. there are multiple advantages of this. If you are coming into this industry with a few hundred grand crash or more, one of the big advantages is taxes. Real estate investing allows you to really change your tax strategy that no one talks about outside of this world. Your tax implications are going to change completely when you're someone who gets that surplus of cash every month and keeps investing it in real estate. Yes. Uh, we were just talking to uh, one of our friends a few days ago, and she was telling us that she uh, was a business owner and she was, I think she said she was making 80K every month. Her business was approximately generating 80K every month. And she said, when I turned 40, I realized that even though I'd been making 80, 60 to 80K per month for years, my bank account didn't show yeah. any of it because no. she kept reinvesting it back in the business. That's right. And she said, then I had to figure out what I was going to do. One was reduce my tax implications. How do I bring the amount of taxes that I'm paying down? And then second, how do I grow that money? How do I make that money work for myself as opposed to just reinvesting it back in the business? So yeah, there, there are yeah. many ways to do that. Invest in a real estate syndication, fantastic way to grow the money that's coming in, the surplus that's coming in to your world. That's right. So this is... Hopefully this helped. And, and there's all these different things that we talked about, right? So depending on which bucket you're on, there's tips just to recap real quick for yeah. everyone. So if you're stuck in credit card debt, if you have no money to invest, then uh, you need to first figure out a way to pay off the credit cards, improve your credit, mm -hmm. find maybe a side hustle that you can earn a little bit more income where you can save a little bit of money and start saving it so you can invest that money. If you're in that stage in life where you are, where you have some money, you know, 20 to 30K, but not a lot of money, you're looking to grow your wealth. And if you have um, a job or a business, then important mindset shift, invest before you spend, figure out how you're going to invest that money and make a commitment, do it. And then find other ways of using the assets that you currently have, maybe house hacking, or maybe buying another property, or maybe trying to midterm rental a property that you already have or house that you live in, figuring out ways that you can maximize what you already have. And then the third bucket, as we mentioned, is if you have hundreds of thousands of dollars, figuring out how you're going to invest that in a way that gives you returns, but also helps you save on taxes, because at that point, you're probably making a lot of money and you want to offset as much of those in taxes. So there's three additional bonus tips that we have mm -hmm. that no matter where you are on that spectrum, you should be doing right now. Number one is acquiring skills, right? You're, if you're listening to this, you're acquiring different ideas, you're acquiring skills. That's what you need to be doing a lot more of. Like mm -hmm. how do you grow your skills? And the more your skills grow, the more assets you're going to have. And this is what's something that we've learned 
a lot is our biggest asset right now for Pollock and I is not the properties that we own, but our biggest asset is the the knowledge that we've accumulated mm-hmm. over all these years that allows us to scale faster and move forward with confidence, Absolutely. right? So the skills play such an important role. So if you're not already honing your skills or acquiring specific skills, that's number one. Number two is figuring out what your end goal is. Mm-hmm. A lot of us go through our lives just because we are so busy and we think that, oh, we, if we just put aside money in 401k, that's going to automatically take care of things and it doesn't happen. We've seen it so many times, yes. even in corporate, even if you're a high earner, high income doesn't automatically translate to wealth. And so figure out where you want to be five, 10 years from now, what you want your finances to look like, what you want your investments to look like. Having an end goal in mind is so important because without a destination, you can go anywhere and think you've made it, but you won't have because you don't even know where you're going. And so that's number two, figuring out where you're going. And then third is reverse engineering that and saying, okay, if I want to be in this place in five years or 10 years, whether that's Mm -hmm quitting my job or replicating my income or growing wealth for my family, whatever your goals are, mm-hmm. what is your plan to get there? And, you know, coming up with a specific concrete plan that is measurable, that is actionable, and that keeps you going until you achieve that goal. I love that. And, you know, if, I mean, for us, I think something interesting about us working together was always that I thought about things very differently than you. Like, for example, we we're just talking about like, I love, I love to hustle. And at the same time, Niti comes from a completely different perspective. And he's, he's always like, well, wait, look at the big picture. Why would you work so hard here when you're trying to get here? And very quickly, we had to learn to appreciate the way we both thought, the way the other person thought, because yeah. there is a place for both of those in your business. There's a place for, you have to hustle. You have to bootstrap in the beginning, but you have to look at the the end goal. Otherwise, you're going to always be hustling, right? Those things are so important to work together. But if you don't have a combination of both of those things, if you don't bring those two different perspectives, find someone who can teach you that. What do I not have in terms of skills? And how do I embrace that from someone who knows how to do that? And these key elements, this mindset shifts are so important for you to grow. Absolutely. So that was our episode for today. Yes. When you watch this replay, if you have any questions, drop them in the comment section and we will come back. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com. It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days, and it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional.